I invite you to turn there, Romans chapter 1, if you'll turn there to verse 8, and we are probably not yet have our, we probably do not yet have our sea legs in uh, Romans, but we're sure enjoying getting underway as we study this great New Testament letter. A church that, um, it's the longest letter that Paul wrote, and a church that uh, is quite remarkable, that is unique, that it's a church that he nor his, um, any of his companions had um, a part in planning or had visited and we'll see this morning his zeal to visit them and we know by the way history records scripture records and history records that Paul got to Rome listen to this that's where he died at the hands of Nero right he was so zealous to get to Rome and um, history records the dying part scripture records him getting to Rome part and um you know, writing those prison epistles uh, from Rome. And again, prison epistles, that may sound like $5 language. That means he was in jail, in prison, writing these, some, writing other letters, right? And uh, so Romans, um, what a great, great treasure it is for us to be able to study Romans. So we will uh, start in verse 8 this morning as we consider what Paul's prayer teaches us about the gospel. What his prayer teaches us about the gospel and Romans is all about the gospel and the gospel is all about God's son who was born a descendant of David according to the flesh who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So we will get to it. The word of the Lord from Romans chapter 1 verse 8. First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers making requests, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, we rejoice that we are blessed to, um, to have your word. Thank you that you have spoken and you've spoken so very clearly, Lord. It is truth, it's infallible, inerrant, sufficient. We pray today that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, will to obey, all of your word we thank you God that your word reveals so clearly Jesus Christ and we thank you for Christ we thank you for who he is we thank you for what he has done we thank you for the great salvation that you have by grace given to us and that we have received by faith we pray this morning God that um, you would do um, you would do heart surgery God you would lay us bare 
and you would reveal areas of um, Lord of sin of compromise you would um, reveal areas of self-reliance and you would um, grant us grace to turn from ourselves and from our sin and cling more closely to Jesus and we pray this in his name amen what Paul's prayer teaches us about the gospel I want you to think a little bit of with me about some of the background of um, Romans and some of the background of Rome. Rome is a strategic city. It's interesting, it would be very similar to what Justin was telling us last week about Desert City. Two-thirds of its citizens would have been um, of the poorer variety. Two-thirds of the population of Rome uh, was made up of slaves, very, very poor people. And it was a very, very strategic city, and that is part and parcel of why the Apostle Paul wants to get there. Think of a city like New York City or like London, strategic cities. And it was strategic in how God had orchestrated history at that point. If you've ever done any work in a New Testament survey class, um, I remember just my eyes being opened and just devouring the history of um, Rome and how God had prepared for the gospel, for Christ to come and the gospel um, to be advanced to the ends of the earth. You had the Pax Romano, the peace of Rome. So it was in an environment of peace. And by the way, that was by the way of the sword. In other words, you didn't mess with um, Rome or you would meet the sword, but because the sword was so strong, it was an environment of the peace of Rome. You had a common language. Uh, you had everyone in that part of the world, uh, most everyone, by the way, you'll see down in verse 14 that the gospel was good news to those who spoke the Greek language, and most everyone did, but you had a very common language that most of the world spoke. So you had the peace of Rome, you had common language. Listen to this, you had thousands of, you had the Roman road system. Um, no disrespect to the Alabama Department of Transportation, but those, some of those roads still exist today, um, thousands of years later, right? Thousands of miles of road, and what that made, listen, common language, peace of Rome, and all these roads, guess what? It's really, really easy to get the gospel out through that system. Think of like our airport system. Think of our technology today. We also live in a very gospel-friendly day. And the time that Paul lived and the time that he was writing the book of Romans was a similar day. And you've got a church established there. Um, they believe planted as a result coming out of Pentecost. We don't know who planted it. We know Paul didn't or any of his um, contemporaries did not. Any of his companions, I should say, did not. I like what Gordon Fee says, just as a little bit of a reminder, picking back up where we left off last week as we get a little deeper into uh, our study and really in this, these introductory matters. Listen to what Gordon Fee said about the theme. The theme of the letter is the gospel. Look at verse 1. Paul's set apart for the gospel of God. Drop down to verse 9. For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son. Drop down to verse 15. So for my part, I'm eager. Look at his, what is he eager to do? to preach the good news about Jesus, to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed, verse 16, of the gospel. So Gordon Fee says the theme of the letter is the gospel. 
And by the way, we said last week the gospel is a person. Jesus, so the theme of the letter is the gospel. And the message of the gospel is that God brings guilty sinners into relationship with himself and destines them to eternal life when they believe in his son, Jesus, the Messiah. So that's what the theme of the letter is. It's the gospel. It's Jesus. And by the way, I want you to think about this. He's writing to an established church. And by the way, they've already received the gospel. We're going to hit on this in our last point. They've been converted. They have, there's a church established there. The church is going. And so many times people think evangelism and evangelism and conversion, are, those are the end points. No, let me tell you, that's the starting points. So our work is not done. We think, hey, we, if we can get into all these villages and tell these people about Jesus and there's conversion, then we'll leave. No, no, no. Paul's writing, these people have been converted what they need, boy, this is a case for you to be plugged into a healthy New Testament church. They needed solid doctrine. They needed to grow in Jesus and grow up in Jesus to be more like Jesus. It's a, what a case for plugging into a healthy church and growing as disciples. And so we've thought like, man, if we could just do a crusade and there'd be a bunch of conversions, that'd be great. That would be great. If we were really, really careful to make sure on the back end of whatever we were doing that we continued to make disciples and, saw church, and see churches planted and built up and flourish. That's God's plan. So I sort of got to the end of the sermon first, but that's okay. We'll come back there. What Paul's prayer teaches us about the gospel. Number one, it gives evidence of the gospel's power to transform. It gives evidence, proof. The proof's in the pudding, as said. It gives evidence of the gospel's power to transform. Look at verse 8, chapter 1. First, by the way, he's not saying first in a list, so you're not going to find the second and third, but first, like uh, we read last week in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5, of first importance, priority, most important. So mark this first. I thank my God. So he's, his thanksgiving for them. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Look what he says next. Why? Well, he doesn't know these brothers and sisters. He's thanking God through Jesus Christ for you all because. So here's the reason why. Guess what? They've got a reputation. And you have a reputation. And I have a reputation. And you know what? I, I, I love, I call them Tomisms. My dad had a lot of sayings. Most of them are worth repeating. Some are not. Um, but one that sticks out about our reputation, he would say, you can't run from your resume. You know, you, you wrote your resume. I wrote my resume. Who you are and your reputation Sister, brother, that's on you, and that mine's on me, right? We wrote our reputation. By the way, if we don't like it, you know when a good opportunity to start working on changing it is? <clears throat> right now. But listen, the church in Rome had a reputation. Look at their reputation, verse 8. So here's evidence, here's proof that Jesus can transform people. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith, they are known in a world that didn't have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, smartphones, any of that. 
because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. That thanksgiving, by the way, how does it come? I thank my God through Jesus Christ. By the way, so faith is not something they have done. John Calvin said of this verse, faith is a gift of God. Our faith in God, God gave to us. It's not a work we have done. Our faith is a gift. And I love this. What's remarkable, he's never met them, but he's heard about them. And what has he heard? These people are trusting in Jesus. Isn't that glorious? Their reputation. That would be a reputation I'd be cool to take to the grave, wouldn't you? Your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. So Rome is a, it's a various, it's a strategic city, but it's a prominent pagan city. I remember Dr. Lanier in that New Testament survey class. He was also our Sunday school teacher at the church we attended. He was also my Greek professor and him talking about, he, he talked about how uh, the sexual immorality of our day. And he said, everybody acts like that today is worse than it used to be. He said, I could take you on some archaeological digs in Rome. He said, I'm going to tell you the sexual immorality of our day has nothing. It won't hold a candle to what it was like in Paul's day in Rome. So listen to this. They're living in a pagan city, a very pagan city that's known for just being immoral. And right in the midst of that city, Paul said, I want to tell you something. The words got out. Everybody in the whole world is talking about your faith. Hey, here's, a, here's an application. That tells me proof positive we can live for Jesus regardless of the way the world is around us. Because they're doing that well. Your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. They've been transformed by the gospel, by Jesus concerning his son. Being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Listen to what Martin Lloyd-Jones said about God getting this word out. Such a rich, rich statement. Lloyd-Jones said, A revival never needs to be advertised. It always advertises itself. Read the history of the church. When revival breaks out in a little group, it does not matter how small the news spreads and curiosity is awakened. And people come and say, What is this? Can we partake in this? How can we get hold of this? Man does not need to advertise it. It becomes known. It spreads throughout the whole world. It had happened here. This is revival. This is Pentecost. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And the news had spread like wildfire in that ancient world with its poor means of communication and its absence and lack of advertising media. Isn't it time we begin to think in New Testament terms? Yes. Isn't it time we begin to think in New Testament terms? I want to be part of that. And so God was so working in this church that your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Let's just think about some other letters we've studied. Not too long ago, we studied 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, what was the word? Well, there were some complimentary things there, but so many times if you say, if somebody just came up to you and said, man, your church is like Corinth, it wouldn't be a blessing to you, would it? So it was a corrective letter. But I love this. He's it's commending them. Your faith is being proclaimed. What? The, this great gift that God 
has given you. And by the way, they're looking at, the, at God's gift in you and the whole world's talking about it. So Paul's prayer teaches us, first of all, about the gospel. It gives evidence of the gospel's power to transform and their reputation had been transformed. And by the way, I'll just, this is going to be one of the application points, but what is my reputation? What is your reputation? What should it be? What are they known for? Hey, when your name comes up, my name comes up, what are we known for? And, and by the way, isn't it amazing? What we love becomes evident, doesn't it? It was a glorious day yesterday, a little earlier than that, but college football got back going, right? Uh, I know, none of y'all got excited. Oh, I did. We're ready for that at our house, right? But how many of you would say, man, I, I can, I, I, all the people I've worked with, maybe you've been at a place of employment for 10, 20 years. I don't know if that guy likes Alabama or Auburn. That would be rare. Because I'm talking, especially when they're on the winning streak, you know, I'm talking about like their clothes. Their, their, it's just like, now, by the way, we get quiet when our team's sort of just getting beat. It's like, I uh, don't want to talk about that. But what, think about it. So we have a reputation. And so I, we know where people stand. We know what people love. And I love this. And their rep, the reputation for the church in Rome was they had great faith. And listen to this. Everybody was talking about it. God, would you give Lagos that kind of reputation? I mean, I'll tell you some of those people at Lagos, man, they love Jesus. They love Jesus, man. And they trust in, they trust in God. That's beautiful. It gives evidence of the, what God had done in them. His gospel transform them. Second, it demonstrates that prayer is the fuel God uses for gospel advance. It demonstrates, so this prayer, this opening here demonstrates that prayer is the fuel God uses for gospel advance. You could underline verses 9 and 10. It's a, it could be a prayer primer for us. Look at verse 9, chapter 1. For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son. I told you it's the gospels. That's the theme. What does he get up in the morning to do? To serve God. How does he serve God? Preaching Jesus. For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers making requests if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you this is so good his work is the preaching of the gospel his prayers look at this he, he how is he praying well a couple things I would I would say of note he's praying it ought to be as normal for us as breathing and, and I want you to think about this uh, you go Really, I know the answer to how does God speak to us? How does God speak to us? Hint, hint. His word. How do we speak to him? Prayer. And so, do you see it, that God speaks to us through his word? We speak to him through prayer. And, and by the way, which of those Trick question, I'm laying the trap. Which of those are important? And by the way, can, can, you, get, can, you, can you get focused on one to the neglect of the other? What if you and I went to lunch and we sat down at the lunch table 
And we're, let's say we had 60-minute lunch, and I talked the entire 60 minutes. You did not get to say one word. How would you feel? He'd be like, that's just sort of, he didn't even like, how are you doing? How's your day? What's going on? Right? You'd be like, man, that was just like a monologue. Then let's just say we sat down at lunch and for 60 minutes, you just like, now, by the way, what, I'd probably inter- interrupt you before we got 60 minutes in. Like, man, you got a burden or something. That'd just be odd, wouldn't it? But the, here, here's like, here's knowing Jesus 101. God speaks through his word and we speak to him through prayer. And I love this. Paul says, I'm praying, look how unceasingly I make mention of you. So he's praying for these Christians, this church, the church in Rome. Always in my prayer. So he's praying and he's praying unceasingly and he's, his prayer has supplication. He's asking God something. Always in my prayers, making requests. And what is his request? God, if perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. Boy, there's so much here. So he's, he's making requests. And by the way, what's he continue to ask God to do? That he can go to Rome. What has he not yet done? You ever ask God for something that he hadn't answered? The key phrase there, always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God. You know what? We don't know God's mind on things, do we? By the way, Paul's going to get to Rome. He's going to get imprisoned in Rome. And by the way, it's going to be recorded in Rome that he's preaching the gospel unhindered as people come to visit him. And then he's going to be, history records, executed in Rome. But I want you, this, this encourages me because he's got a strong he seems to have a strong will. And he's asking God if it would be God's will for those to match. God's bending his will to, Paul's will to his will. Always in my prayers, making requests. If perhaps, now look, you even get the language of this, now at last. What does now at last sound like? That's been on the prayer list for what? A while. I've been having this desire. I want to come to Rome. Hadn't got there yet. And I'm praying, I'm praying, making requests if, if is a conditional, if God wills, if he chooses, if perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. So what does this teach us? Well, it, it demonstrates that prayer's the, it's the gas that drives the gospel car. And we want to advance the gospel, but so many times, let me, we, we think our doing advances the gospel. Now, should we be doing? We ought to be doing. But shame on us if we're doing before we're praying. Because it's prayer that advances the mission. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of the Son, is my witness. What, what, what is underneath? What, what sets Paul apart? How unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers making request. If perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. It demonstrates prayers of fuel God uses for gospel advance. Third teaches us, shows how God uses the gospel. Well, I struggled over writing this in a way that makes sense, but it's so clear in the text. It shows how God uses the gospel for believers for this mutuality to bless and strengthen each other. It shows how God uses the gospel for believers to bless and strengthen each other. Look at verse 11. For I long to see you. 
never met him. But he wants to, does he? For I long to see you. Now, why does he want to see them? Well, purpose language, that or so that, in order that. When you read that in Scripture, it's like, okay, he's gonna, we're going to have revealed there the purpose. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. So there's something, listen, they're an established church. They're known for their faith. Everybody in the world's talking. It's not like, let me rush to Rome and correct these gross errors. But no, 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 they need, listen, they need sound doctrine to build them up. And so he's longing to see them. Why? So when he sees them, it's not just so we can hang out so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. What's the goal? That you may be established. That's so key. Maybe. You may be rooted and grounded. You may be strengthened. You may be built up. So he's going to get there. The apostle's coming or wants to come there. And he's going to accomplish it in the letter. And his goal is so that they may be established, built up, rooted and grounded as Christians. That's so good. So he, his intention, look, is to be a blessing to them. I long to see you. Look, he wants to impart to them this spiritual gift. Now, look at verse 12. It's like um, tennis or pickleball. You know, you hit the ball and somebody on the other side of the net ideally does what? I would think it'd be more fun if they'd hit it back. Some mutuality. You know, sort of like that talking, just monologue, monologue. Like, you know, if you go play, if I, we go play tennis, I just keep hitting the serve and you stand there and I'm like, You're, I, I'm, after a little while, I'm saying, are you going to hit it back? Look, here's the hitting it back. Here's how God's wired the kingdom. Here's why there are no Lone Ranger Christians. Verse 12. That is that I may be encouraged. Listen, they're going to be established. He's going to be encouraged. There's something that he needs to do in their life, and there's something that they need to do in his life. That you may be established, that I may be encouraged. Look, together, all this, the one another language. God, I, don't we just give thanks praise the Lord that he's organized the world he's wired life for us to live in one another language and by the way if you have any if you go I don't I don't want to one another maybe you're hurt or discouraged or some reason that that, that has got you to that place I don't want to be sensitive to that but one another is better than in isolation so you can go over there and be in a corner all by yourself, all alone, isolated, you against the world with your back against the wall. No, 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 that's not God's plan. Paul said, I want to impart some spiritual gift to you, and that, that's y'all, because it's the church at Rome. You is y'all. That you may be established, built up, strong, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. We see how this works. You ever come away with time with brothers and sisters and you're just like, man, that was just good. That was just good. It's almost like I, that was, I, I call it refreshing to my soul sometimes. You just connect with brothers and sisters in a way and you encourage them and they encourage you and you come away and you're built up and they're built, you're just like, that's just good. That's just like oxygen. It's healthy and good. And so we're, we see revealed here in these Versus how God uses the gospel for believers to bless and strengthen each other. Fourth, what do we learn here? Well, it shows 
that the gospel is for everyone. Gospel's for everyone. Look at verse 14. Let's start at verse 13. I'm sorry, I'm skipping over. Verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you. Now, let's go back to that second point about prayer. Verse 10, he's praying that by the will of God, he may come to you. He's been planning to come to you. I love this. You see, you don't see Paul just sitting under the shade tree going, I'm just going to take a nap and see if God gets me to Rome. He's praying and he's planning. He's trying to get there. Active faith. I do not want you to be, verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I plan to come to you and I have been prevented so far. You ever been doing something and praying for something and it seems like God was preventing it? So did Paul. Doesn't that give you encouragement? I've been prevented so far. Now, he goes on to say, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. So we talked about this. The church at Rome is made up of Jewish believers and Gentile believers, but the letter is primarily to a Gentile audience. Verse 14, as we get to point number four, the gospel's for everyone. I am under obligation. I love that. I'm, there, there's this demand. I'm a debtor. I'm under obligation. So the, in God, he's, obliga- he's got this gospel obligation to preach Jesus. So I'm under obligation. And I love what he says there, both to Greeks and to barbarians. To Greeks, and most of the world would have been uh, Greek speaking. They would have spoken the Greek language. Bar- barbarians, by the way, even that word is like, People that couldn't speak Greek and they would make fun of them like, you ever talk to barbarians? You get the mocking? They were like, those people just talk gibberish, right? So people that spoke the Greek language, the gospel, Jesus is for them. What if I'm over there and I don't understand one lick of Greek? Guess what? Paul's under obligation to make Jesus known. What if, what if, what about people that are really, really wise, both to the wise Hey, let me tell you, Jesus has come for them. What about people that like, man, I'm going to tell you, ah, foolish. Do you you see he covers the spectrums? All those that Greek speaking, all those barbarians that they would have called, that would not have been a term of endearment, people that spoke Greek, that people that didn't speak their language. He's just a barbarian. Well, what about the wise? What about the foolish? And he says, I'm under obligation to all of them. Isn't that wonderful? It's not like, hey, if, if, you're, if you're the five-star recruit, morally, intellectually, if you're the top of the class, the gospel's for you. I praise the Lord if you are. He is. Jesus has come for you. But I love this. What if I'm over there and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm more in the foolish category. I'm more in the barbarian category. Let me tell you, Jesus, gospel's for you. Do you see the beauty of this? So, This reality, the gospel is for everyone. Those who can speak Greek, those who can't speak Greek. Those who are wise and those who are foolish. Fifth, it shows us that gospel work involves making disciples and building healthy churches. This should be a standalone sermon. By the time I get through, it might be like sermon two. I won't do that to you. It shows gospel work involves making disciples and building healthy churches. So look at verse um, 15. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. By the way, I love that. I'm eager. 
uh, I remember in um, seminary being so eager to preach the gospel. I'd go preach at a nursing home one Sunday a month in Virgilina on the Virginia, North Carolina, Virgilina at a nursing home. And that was about the only place. And I preached at an um, assisted living facility occasionally on Monday and Tuesday nights. And um, I, had a, I had a strong desire to preach the gospel. I still have a strong desire to preach the gospel. If you told me, hey, you can serve Logos, but you can't preach the God, I'd be like, no, 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 God's called me to preach the gospel. I love this. I think I'm kin to Paul in this. And if you're called, you have a strong... Now, by the way, for the first 35 years of my life, I had no desire to preach the gospel. I had a desire to teach a Sunday school class. Be careful if you're teaching Sunday school classes, brothers, because God may use that to grow a, another desire. But listen to this. He's eager to preach the gospel. But what's remarkable in that verse, he's eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Let me tell you this. Those in Rome have already heard the gospel. Why do they need to hear it again? By the way, can't I just go to the lake this morning or the beach? Would that not be more fun? Why do I need to come hear the gospel? People need to hear the gospel. It's sort of like when your car won't start, people need Jesus. That gets you jumped off and you're ready to live. Well, that's just dumb and wrong. We need to keep hearing the gospel. Listen, they had heard about Jesus. And now, listen, they needed the sound doctrine to be built up, to be who Jesus had called them to be. This is so wonderful. It's a principle that, that is, it gives priority to the church. It gives priority to discipleship. So for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So there had, they had great, they had evidence of their conversion because they were known for what? Their faith throughout the whole what? World. Here's what we would say if we thought about like, the evangelism ministry without being connected to disciple making we'd be like we would say Rome's been reached no no they haven't been reached the way God intended them for intended for them to be reached or Paul wouldn't have written the letter and wouldn't have been working so hard to get there they had been reached for Christ but listen they needed to be established verse 11 they need to be built up and because of that he's eager to preach the gospel to them he wanted to go. Listen, it shows us that evangelism is important and gospel proclamation, that's important, but those are not the end. Look, that's the beginning. That's the beginning. So the church needs to be established and the church needs to be built on God's word, on sound doctrine. So our calling, our, our mission, well, Jesus told us this. Turn to Matthew 28. You see it so clear. Matthew 28, verse 18, you could quote it. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples, followers, learners, not converts. Go therefore and make disciples of all the ethnoses, right? All the ethnes, of all the nations. How do you do that? Look, baptizing them, that's the entry point. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, do you see that? It's not the end. Teaching them to observe, oh, what? to observe something, you got to what? To obey Scripture, you got to what? 
Which goes first, obeying or knowing? Teaching them to observe, to live out all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So that's why if we, you know, if we have the big evangelism rally, what's that old saying? You know, hey, we baptized 50. Let's see how many we can find a year from now. Right? Because Paul didn't say, hey, they had a rally in Rome, so I'm going on to Spain. No, no, he goes, praise the Lord. Listen, I just keep hearing everywhere I go about your faith. And I want you to know, if it would please God, I'm asking him that he would enable me to make a beeline to Rome so that you will be established. And if I can get there, here's what I'm convinced of. You're going to be established. You're going to be built up, grounded, rooted, and I'm going to be encouraged. And he said, because of this, I am eager to preach the gospel to you in Rome. Do you see that ongoing work? Isn't that glorious and good? So it, it shows us that gospel work involves making disciples and building healthy churches. Somehow we like have lost track of this. It's the church. It's the upbuilding of the church. So doing the word. Our fourth application is going to be a proclamation of Christ's death until he comes through the ordinance. I'll say more about that in a moment. But three summary points about our passage this morning. Doing the word. What are we to do with this? Well, I'm going to trust that God the Holy Spirit, he is going to show us that clearly. Here's some summary thoughts to point us in that direction. The Roman Christians were known for their faith. What is our reputation? Logos, individuals. What's well, something to think about? The Roman Christians were known for their faith. What is our reputation? What is it that, what is it that we're known for? When it's all said and done, period at the end of the sentence, what, what, what is our reputation? Well, that's something to give thought to. And by the way, what a great, great opportunity for us to make adjustments. Smart smart pilots make in-flight adjustments, don't they? Dependent upon, right? So we've got God's holy word and to say, you, you, maybe you look at it this morning, maybe the takeaway is, I want to tell you something, my reputation is not that I would be, if I drop dead today, I'm not going to be known for my faith. I'm not going to be known for the gospel. And I'll tell you what, by God's grace, I resolved that I'm going to move forward for reputation change. Roman Christians were known for their faith. What is our reputation? Second, prayer is the fuel God uses for gospel advance. Resolve to grow in this discipline. I thought a lot about uh, each one of those words. Resolve to grow in this discipline. Um, I'm thinking like, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And I could also say um, to grow in this great high and holy privilege that we have to have a dialogue with King Jesus, right? Discipline sounds like something you what? We need to do. And do we need to pray? Yeah, but let me tell you. Prayer is something. I don't, uh, this should be candid. We get to do, right? Prayer is the fuel God uses for gospel events. Let me tell you, so if you don't put fuel, I start to say gas in your car, and I'm assuming you don't have an electric vehicle. So let's say you have a gas-powered vehicle. 
if you don't put fuel in it what's going to happen I don't know when and I don't know where typically in a very remote place at a very bad time how many of you found that never like oh I'm a I'm a hundred feet from the station no you'd be on the back side of nowhere more remote than you've been in the last 20 years uh, we had a crazy weekend uh, close friend who died last weekend we ministered to we've been in and out just running around 100 miles an hour with hair on fire I was coming to work Monday morning I'd been to the gym and I looked down and I'm talking about it was like fuel light was on and you know how that won't empty it just lays down there on empty and I'm coming toward Emmanuel Christian School in that shell station I'm like Lord help me what cut the air conditioner off I'm talking about I'm coming in on what you're like I'm gonna coaster in right so prayer is the fuel it's the fuel without fuel we don't go so like God we want to we want to be a healthy church God we want to be your hands and feet to to be on mission to see healthy churches established we want to see that in Guatemala and New York and South Texas and Mexico we will see that in Desert City we won't see that in India prayer is the fuel God uses for gospel advanced resolve to grow in this high and holy privilege this discipline Lord I repent, we repent of our prayerlessness. Third, conversion is not the end. I'm going to tell you, I have seen a lot of churches that view conversion as the end. You ever seen that? It's common. We don't get that idea in the Bible. We get that from some man-centered marketing strategy. Here's what the world would say, by the way, about our passage this morning. Your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Well, you need a good PR agency to get your reputation out to the world. And God says, no, no, no. You start, you start walking with Jesus rightly and he'll get the word out when he's working, when he's welcome and working there. And then we would say that, you know, we get them in here and, and we're going to share the gospel to them and give them some, you know, a good meal or some exciting experience and they're going to get converted and know you can read over there and Paul said no 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 praise the Lord for your conversion and the good work God's doing in your faith and I want to get there to see you established and built up and to grow to be all that God's called you to be so conversion is not the end ask the Lord to grow us and his church and that's convicting that's convicting so for my part I am eager and by the way it's not you go well Paul said you know you haven't heard anybody preach until you hear me preach. That's not what he's saying. Oh, here's the apostle. Here's the apostle that's sent to the Gentiles. And he's saying, man, I want to go pour into y'all. So listen, y'all can be who God's called you to be and do what God's called you to do. Isn't that glorious and good? And it shows, by the way, you're like, well, how many of you have friends like this? Man, I'm telling you, I, I know Jesus as my Savior. I know I'm going to heaven you know sort of like the booster shot they don't I guess they do that in school anymore I remember I was about the second grade and they were all like come on everybody go get in line you remember go to the gym and they're like Phew. remember that thing like a stapler that's shooting your arm anybody remember I didn't make that up they did it at Rehoboth back in the day now I got I got Jesus Phew. got him I'm good now I can go do what I want to do excuse me there's one to say I doubt you got Jesus if that's the way you think you just got close to him you got a little head knowledge about him. Head knowledge won't deliver you to heaven. You believe you do well. The demons believe also and shudder. Wow. Well, that's something to ponder, isn't it? No, no. You're going to know Jesus, man. You're going you're gonna to look different. You're going to be transformed. 
that work's going to be evident. Look, it's not like, hey, we've been saved. Verse 8, we've been saved in Rome, and nobody knows we're here. Nobody can tell anything's happened to us. Jesus hit them. Man, people are talking about y'all. They're talking about how wicked Rome is and how much faith y'all got. Praise the Lord. He said, I can't wait to get there so I can help you in this regard. So conversion is not the end. Ask the Lord to grow us in his church. Then, deacons, I'm going to ask you to go ahead. I'm going to get ready to pray with you. If you're serving, would you come on forward? And then the fourth application is um, we have the word of God that has prescribed one of the ways we respond to the gospel for those that are, of us that are in Christ. And by the way, it's um, memorial, it's celebration, it's reflection, it's all those because we want to receive the cup and the bread in a worthy manner. But we proclaim, that's, that'll be the last verse I read in just a few minutes when uh, we receive the juice. But in this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let me give some instructions of who all we invite to participate. So we uh, invite all uh, members of Lagos Baptist Church who are members in good standing to participate. We invite you, brothers and sisters, if you are born-again Christians and you have been obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ in believer's baptism and uh, you're a member of a sister church with similar faith and practice and you're in good standing uh, with your church, we invite you to participate as well. Let me pray for us as we, before we serve. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. Lord, may we give it priority uh, the way that uh, we should. Thank you for your power to transform. Lord, the church in Rome was known. Um, people could look at them and see evidence of the work that you had done in them. That calls us to assess our reputation, Lord. Um, we are prone to chase uh, the wind, to chase temporal things. Prune us, correct us, uh, turn us from that today, we pray. Lord, we read this passage how zealous diligent Paul was to pray how his prayers were focused on you his asking was Christ honoring Christ focused Christ directed what his zeal was to be a help in um, establishing the brothers and sisters in Rome and so God wrapped up in those verses we look at ourselves and Lord we pray you will give us a growing desire Lord to hear what you have said in your word and to spend time in sweet communion with you in prayer and Lord we thank you that the gospel includes the wise and the foolish the Greeks and the barbarians Lord that there's no partiality with you and the gospel. Lord, we get in on that. We thank you. Lord, we save by grace and we thank you for so great a salvation. And Lord, we thank you for the um, great privilege of being part of your church. 
thank you that your goal is to see us built up in Christ as mature disciples and we pray that even these verses this morning would shape our understanding of our walk with you and our purpose as a church Lord um, the blessing of mutuality the necessity we have for each other the one anothering that needs to happen if we're going to be who you've called us to be the building up that needs to happen Lord we uh, pray that you would grant us grace uh, to grow grow this body would you grant us grace and perseverance to invest in the places you've called us to see Lord, to see conversions, Lord, we rejoice in that and to see the establishing of Christians and the building up and the establishing of churches and healthy churches. And so we pray that you would uh, accomplish that in us. Thank you for how your word, Lord, corrects our, um, our thinking. We come to the time of the supper, Lord. We thank you for Christ's body. Lord, um, he was punished for our sins. Lord, that was the penalty that we were due. Thank you for his precious blood. Oh God, how precious a son of God slain Lord as his blood uh, was poured out and far far superior to the blood of bulls and goats um, but the blood of our Lord and Savior King Jesus who died for our sins and who on whose account Lord we are now declared righteous Lord, whose account we are reconciled to you. You are pleased to look on him and pardon us. Full atonement can it be, God. We, what a miracle. Lord, we have, many of us have heard that wonderful gospel story for decades and it gets familiar to us. But Lord, we rejoice in Jesus. His sacrifice, his death his substitutionary atoning payment, God, for our sins and your uh, simultaneously being just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Lord, not the one who's done great and glorious things, not the one who's given big offerings or had a perfect record in Sunday school or behaved morally. Lord, you are just and you are the justifier of the ones who have placed their faith in Jesus. Lord, that is good, good news. And we read in Romans 1 this morning that our faith is a great, glorious gift from you. So all of that, Lord, we lay at your feet and we praise you. We uh, pray that you would help us to proclaim Jesus' death, Lord until he comes and Lord we agree with scripture that he is coming again come quickly Lord Jesus Amen